Okay, good morning, everyone. Good to see you all. Um, those of you that were here last night, I hope you enjoyed the quiz. Um, I don't know about you, but I thought there was something wrong with the questions because I didn't really know many of the answers. So it's clearly the questions, uh, not me, that doesn't know anything. Um, well, it was good fun, though, wasn't it? It was. Um, and we're going to c- continue in the fun this morning. We're going to carry on in our uh, new preaching series, the discipleship series that we started uh, two weeks ago. Adam kicked us off, and uh, I'm sure you'll agree, he's done a great job over the last couple of weeks, been really um, powerfully speaking to us and challenging us. Um, so just kind of recapping over the last couple of weeks, the first week he looked at what is a disciple, and uh, he asked us some questions. He asked questions what Jesus, the same questions that Jesus asked the disciples. He said to us, what are you seeking? What are you after? That's what Jesus said, wasn't it, to the disciples when they started to follow. As Adam clearly uh, showed us, uh, Jesus turned around and said to the disciples, what what do you want? And that was the question to us, is what are we after in this uh, walk with God? And he also talked about what a disciple is, is to to realise that Jesus is the Messiah. And that is what is behind being a genuine disciple, is a revelation of who Jesus is. Can I ask you this morning, have you had a revelation of who Jesus really is? Is he Lord of your life? Or is he, as Adam talked about, the little pocket God that you get out of your pocket every time problems come along? Is he Lord? Or is he the Saviour? Is he your hope? Do you know him? And he challenged us, it was at the end of the first week, to uh, do we want to commit to him or recommit our life to him, to follow him? And I've often said when I've been preaching before that it's kind of something that I try to do on a daily basis. When I come before the almighty God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the one who formed me in my mother's womb, who knew me before I was born, I I come to him and say, Lord, I give my life to you again today. I've been a Christian now for about 13 years, uh, nearly 14 years, and, but I come every day and say, Lord, I want to give my life to you today. Make me new again. And then last week, he, uh, if we could just skip on to the next shot, was the topic was Jesus said, follow me, and that's what we are as disciples. We are to follow him. We don't just line up with lots of rules and regulations, but we are to follow. And Adam asked us, are we willing to follow Jesus and all that he will call you to do? Because following Jesus is not an easy path. I haven't had a a really easy life over the last 13 years. I mean, it's been good, don't get me wrong, but he's called me to do things and asked me to make decisions which haven't been easy. He has a call on, on me and all that follow him, to, to die to ourself. That's what it is to be a Christian as well, is to die to your old self. When we have baptisms here, we put people under the water and we're saying, that old person's gone and the new person has come. That's what I declared when I was baptised here uh, 12 years ago. My good friend Dave Gadd was, uh, managed to pull me back up. Um, <laughs> There's a slight difference in size. I'll introduce you to him later on. Um, 
And that's what I was saying when I came up. I said, Lord, I'm now living for you. Old Ian gone, new Ian here. He said, are you ready to let Jesus be your first priority? When Jesus asks us to follow, he expects us to move. That's what Adam said last week. When Jesus asks us to follow, he expects you to move. So not stay where you are. So we need to line up with his desires and plan for our life. See, I really was paying attention over the last couple of weeks. And this week's topic is, disciples, change. Sanctification. See, as you come into this Christian life, I remember that was one of my biggest fears of, I don't want to change. I remember saying to um, Anne Newing, when I did Alpha, probably about 14 years ago, saying, "I I, I don't want to change. And looking back at my old self 14 years ago, that was a ridiculous statement, because I was a real plonker. I really was. I'm slightly less of a plonker now, but just a little bit. Although, speak to my wife, I'm sure she'll put you right on that. I, don't want, I didn't want to change. And that's often what I hear now when I, I do Alpha with people. They say, well, I don't want to change. But can I just tell you this morning, Jesus loves you as you are. He accepts you as you are, but he loves you too much to leave you there. He wants to see you become more like him. That's what sanctification is. We are redeemed in a moment when we give our lives to Jesus. Those who confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that Jesus is Lord, they are redeemed in a moment. You are redeemed in a moment. But Jesus wants us to become more like him. I look more like Jesus now than I did 13 years ago. I've got a long, 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 long way to go. Again, my wife will point that out to you. But are you ready? Are you willing to change? Let me just read to you a verse before I go on to uh, the main verse that we're looking at this morning. It's from Ezekiel 36. If you've got a Bible with you, I'd encourage you to turn to that. Ezekiel in the Old Testament, just after Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and before Daniel. So Ezekiel chapter 36, from verse 25. He says this, I will sprinkle clean water on you. And you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. And I will remove from you the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. You will live in the land I gave your forefathers and you will be my people and I will be your God. See, what happens when we give our lives to Jesus, is heart surgery. We encounter the living God and he says, I want to take out of you that heart of stone and put in you a living, beating heart of flesh. When you encounter the living God, there should be change. If I came in here this morning and I'd been hit 
by a double-decker bus and I came in and, you know, would I, would I look any different? I probably would look a bit different, wouldn't I, if I got hit by a double-decker bus. And that's what happens when you get hit by the living God. He doesn't literally punch you. But when you get hit by the living God, when you encounter him, there should be some difference. He created the heavens and the earth. There's throwaway statements in Genesis where he's created the the stars. He's a star-breathing God, a universe-breathing God, and he meets with you, so there should be a difference. My friends here will tell you that I am different from when I first met them. We were just talking over the summer with my friends, Dave and Kate, about what I was like when I first came. And I was a bit quiet, to be fair, wasn't I? Didn't say a lot, grunted a bit, avoided questions, didn't have much of an opinion. That's changed a little bit now. But I'm not holding myself up as this perfect person because I've still got a long way to go. But what I've been trying to do is, and be willing to do is say, Lord Jesus, speak to me. Speak to me and change me because I want to be like you. We can't do it, though, by ourselves. Uh, it's not, this is not a self-help, self-improving uh, program where I just have to strive and work really hard. I've messed up. I need to do better. No, it has to be by a person that helps me. And that person is the Holy Spirit. That person who, in Acts 1, had not yet come to be with the disciples, had not filled them, and they were full of fear and trembling. And in Acts 2, the Holy Spirit had come, and Peter was standing up. Peter, who had denied Jesus three times. Peter, who said to Jesus, I'll go with you. I'll follow you wherever you go. I'll never deny you. I'll come and die with you. He denied him three times. He even blasphemed. He said, I don't know who he is. He denied him, and then the Holy Spirit came on him, and he preached to thousands of people. He said, this Jesus, who you crucified, and 3,000 people came to know Jesus on that day. That is the difference. That is the person that can come and help you change. If you could turn now into uh, the book of Galatians from chapter 5. I've got the verse up on the screen. So Galatians 5, verse 16. Uh, Just to fill you in a bit, the Galatians is a letter written by the Apostle Paul uh, to a church. And there are other letters, Galatians, Ephesians, all written to churches. But these letters are here to help us to encourage us, to to help us and instruct us. So, Galatians 5, verse 16. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of flesh are obvious. 
sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. This, for me, though, is one of the verses that first spoke to me as a Christian. It told me what I needed to stop doing. I didn't do all of them, by the way. wasn't involved in any orgies or um, witchcraft. didn't do any witchcraft. Uh, no, that's about it, actually. <laughs> Everything else, that was me. Um, It really spoke to me, the contrast of what it is. And there's change. I mean, I think we'd probably all say we all need to change. Dave Holden did this actually at um, uh, Ashburnham this summer. He says, we all need to change. I mean, who? put your hand up if you feel like you need to change, because I need to change. Put your hand up if the person next to you you think needs to change. (laughs) But, see, the Holy Spirit is not just about signs and wonders. It's not just about speaking in tongues and prophecy. But the Holy Spirit is about coming in to live within you as a person and changing you from the inside out. And we see it on Alpha all the time. We see people visibly change. And that sounds a bit weird, but people visibly change. They look brighter, look fresher, literally like almost a darkness lifts off them and they look just happy. I've got a lady who has come to Jesus recently. She said she's been depressed for 30 years. And she says, now, I can't even be depressed if I try. That's what happens when the Holy Spirit comes and lives within you. As I've said before, it's about dying to your old self. And becoming more like him. I want to be more like Jesus. Do you want to be more like Jesus? See, it isn't by our efforts. You mustn't take this away today that you must try really hard to be like Jesus. But you need to be in step with the Spirit. Ask him to come and fill you on a daily basis. Ask him to speak to you through his word. Really dig into this book. Because actually... This is where we learn to know him. This is where we learn what he, what he wants for our lives, is by digging into this book. It isn't by our own efforts, but by submitting to Christ. See, I thought at first, well, I like the way I am. I like it. I'm all right. Nothing wrong with me. But God came in. God came in. This week I was telling Adam, I met up with some friends um, that I used to, uh, that I grew up with really, 
And, you know, we got into all sorts of things growing up, um, probably more than you can imagine, actually. But um, they were just kind of retelling stories and we were reminiscing and laughing about it. Some was a bit painful for me and embarrassing, but it just reminded me of how much that I have changed. I mean, some things I'd just completely forgotten about. I was like, oh, no, yeah, I forgot about that. Lord, thank you. Thank you that you've changed me. Adam asked last week, as I've already said, how, actually, I didn't say this, how would you feel about discipling yourself? That was a good question, wasn't it? And the prideful me went, well, I think I'd quite enjoy it, actually. I'd be quite good. I'd listen to what I had to say. But actually, no, that, that wouldn't be the case. I probably wouldn't enjoy discipling myself. But how do you feel about people speaking into your life? God speaking into your life. That's what's really helped me, is people being honest with me, speaking into my life and saying, yeah, that's not quite right, that's not good. How do you take that? Because I don't, I didn't, and you know, I'm not perfect. I, I still struggle, actually. But how do you take that? Also, what is helpful for me was observing, saying, "Oh yeah, this this guy here, he's a man of God. This is how I should be ha- behaving. This is how I should talk to my wife. This 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 is a bit more like it, not what I'm doing." Do you have a willingness to change? Change happens, doesn't it? In seasons of life. Change is happening to me in seasons of life. I realised this week at um, football, I used to turn up at football and play, where I play, you just turn up and they put you into teams. And I I often used to think, oh, I've been put with the duffers. I'm on a rubbish team. I realised this week, now, I am one of the duffers. (laughs) As the ball kept sort of skidding past me, it's like there's something wrong with this ball. There's something... No, I'm one of the duffers. Change naturally happens in life. That's because I'm getting old, by the way, and my reactions aren't quite what they used to be. But change happens, and we need to let God change us for the for the good. There needs to be a willingness to change our attitudes. That's something that's taken slightly longer with me, changing my attitudes and deepest held beliefs. So I was happy to believe in God for salvation, for eternity. Yeah, that sounds great, God. Love it, love it. Oh, yeah, but he spoke to me about that I was a bit racist, actually, and changed me and how I felt about the French and ridiculous things like that. I love the French now, by the way. I go there on holiday... I've been for the last three years. I love the French. But God had to change me. But I, I you know, I, I kind of had, I thought I had good reasons to feel the way I did. Still don't like Liverpool, but you know. <laughs> Football team. The city's lovely. But we need to let God come in and rearrange our beliefs. See, if God fits into your existing beliefs... If you become a Christian and nothing has changed, then God is a concept to you and not a reality. See, people say today they can't believe 
in th- some things that are in this book. Well, some things sound nice, and, yeah, but other things are just so outdated. But if we say that, we're being shaped by our culture and not by the word of God. They say it's regressive. It's out of date. But people's beliefs today are coming from their cultural moment. 20 years, 50 years, 100 years from now, people will view things differently to what people view now. See, what, we say, what people are saying is that really, the here and now, that's real. And when we come to the Bible, you know, we can't believe all that stuff. That's because God is a concept and not a reality. See, when you come into a relationship, if you come into a marriage, you come into a relationship with a person and there's some things about that person that change and you become more like each other and there's some things that are removable because they're a person. And when you come into a relationship with the living God, there are things that will not move. And he says, I won't. This is it. This is the final word of God, it says in Hebrews. It says, God has spoken to us in these last days through his son. So the stuff that is in this book, in fact, everything in this book is true. And we need to line up with how it tells us how to live our life. And some things we say, well, yeah, there's, you know, we can be flexible and you know we could make this book say what we want but actually this is the word of God and we need to use this as a plumb line of, of our lives see if he fits into your life fits into you and you shape it you have more glory than God because he is a concept but when we belong to him it's up to him to shape and direct our life Sanctification is a process. Many times over the years, God has really spoken to me powerfully and, and it has really changed me. Um, I remember in the early days, I was, again, apologies for the football stories, I was playing football and uh, you know, I used to, like, used to like a good tackle, liked it, a good fight in the middle of the pitch and I remember I was playing football one Saturday and this guy was, he and this, me and this guy from the opposition were getting a bit niggly, and I just thought, right, he's having it. So I t- as we were running along, I turned around and punched him in the side of the head. This was, I'd, I'd given my life to Jesus at this point. I turned around and just punched him in the side of the head. And normally that would put him off, and I'd you know, do well for the rest of the game. But I just felt the conviction of God come on me, actually. And he said, you don't do that anymore. No, you don't do that anymore. And I was just, for the rest of the game, I was just terrible. Uh, what have I done? I do, you know, I just felt rubbish because the conviction of God came and said, no, that's not you anymore, Ian. And sometimes God will come and say to you, no, no, we don't do that anymore. We don't think like that. We don't speak like that. Even recently, God spoke to me. We were on a family day out. And we'd been away, and we were on our way back. We were actually at Alton Towers. And I was a bit tired and a bit grumpy the next day we were there. And uh, I was just a bit, yeah, a bit grumpy. And just 
a bit snappy. I just felt God speak to me and say, you make a big effort to make everyone else laugh, but you don't make as much effort with your wife. Ooh, yeah, that hurt. Okay, yeah, God, I'm sorry. So I'm open to change. I don't like it when he speaks into me like that, but I want to be more like him. I want to love like he loves. I want to be like he is. And then recently, I've asked Gemma's permission for, to tell this as well. So we've, uh, we moved here to, back to Seven Oaks in Jan, uh, actually December, started here at the church in January. Um, some of you, most of you probably know, we were up in Bury St Edmunds in Suffolk, um, serving the church up there, and uh, felt the call of God to come back here. Adam had rung me and said, I feel God saying, come back. Um, can you come and help us with outreach and evangelism and stuff? And, you know, that's, that seemed to be what God said. In fact, he spoke very clearly, and we came. But we loved where we lived. We loved Bury St Edmunds. We made some great friends. We had a fantastic network of friends, all at a similar stage of life. We've worked really hard on building up a business. We're starting to do well. Um, kind of uh, remodeled a house, and it was fantastic. But it hurt to come. So it hurt to come back, actually. It was great. We want to be in the call of God. We want to be obedient to what he tells us to do. But it hurt. And uh, we went back recently, actually a few months back now, we had sold the house, and this was kind of our last trip back to the house to clear out the loft. I hate doing that. Terrible job. Clearing out the loft. And... Um, before we left, actually, but before Adam even called to offer, uh, to say, could you come back? Gemma and I said in conversation to someone, we hold everything lightly. Yeah, we love the house, but, you know, you, we just hold it all lightly. It's fine. It's God's, you know. Our home is in heaven. It sounded very convincing. <clears throat> and then he said, right, okay, let go then, if you hold it lightly. And uh, Gemma was struggling, actually. She really missed the house. Really missed the friends, and she was out running when we'd, we were back. And God spoke to her as she was running. He, he said, Do you know why you're sad? She said, No, I don't. He said, Because you've given your heart to a place and not to me. And that really hurt. Even now, talking about it, wow, God, yeah, that's true. I'm sorry, I want to be everything for you. Jesus at the center, as we sang this morning. That hurt, even, you know, God didn't speak to me that, but he spoke it to my wife. And it, it hurts, it, you know, just hearing it, it hurts. But God's saying, no, I want everything. I want you to be all in. We must decrease and he must increase. Are you ready to decrease? To conform to the image of his son. He wants transformation. We see it. In the scriptures, in the New Testament, transformation of Peter, like I said in Acts, and the Apostle Paul. He was a Christian hater, persecuting the church. But God came, literally knocked him off his horse. And actually, the Apostle Paul spread the word of God to the Gentiles and all over the globe. They're transformed. If you let God speak to you, if you let him shape you, your character, he'll be able to do with you what he's always intended you to do. 
if we let God speak to us and change us and shape our character, he will be able to do with us what we are intended for. See, as this process works through you, you should start to find your identity in your sonship of Christ. Because we find our identity in all sorts of other things in this life, as a father, as a husband, uh, in our career, in the things that we have. But as soon as we start to do that, we're replacing God. It's called idolatry. Galatians 5. But he wants to come in and you to find your true identity in Jesus Christ. For you to be changed. So when you're at work, you're not tired and grumpy and miserable, but you're full of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. When you have that person living inside you that is called the Holy Spirit, then everybody else should notice What is it about this guy at work? There's something about him. He's just happy. He's just at peace. Often had, you know, people say to me at work before that I I want what you've got. And I said, well, are you willing to do this? Ah, are you willing to die to yourself? No, maybe not sure about that. But these are what we should be modelling. This is what we should be uh, modelling. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Just have a think about that for a moment. Do you model that in your daily life? It's hard. Practically as well, there's things in in Scripture that that help us. In Philippians, the book of Philippians, uh, chapter 4, verse 8, again the Apostle Paul writes, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. I think that's about guarding. I used to say to the, these young guys I used to deal with in Bury St. Edmunds about guarding your gates. What you let in through here and what you let in through here is really important. Guard your gates. They used to say to me, well, I watch... The only way is Essex. What, is that all right? I said, well, is it true? Is it noble? Is it right? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Is it admirable? Um, probably not. Well, then stop it. If it's not helpful to you. I've never seen it, actually, so I can't really pass comment. But they'd say, well, what about this film? Can I watch this? Well, is it true? Is it noble? Is it right? Is it admirable? Uh, and if you have to check and have a think about that, then probably not, because that can really influence us. Whether we think we're mature or not, stuff that we watch, stuff that we listen to, really affects us. I, rem- I used to be a huge fan of gangster films, loved gangster films. Don't know why, I just really liked it. But I think now I just can't watch that, because it just does something to my heart. 
It's not true, it's not noble, it's not right. They're not pure. I remember I was work, used to work with a guy who was in our church as well, and he said, what about the new James Bond film? I said, no, that's fine. <laughs> I like James Bond. <laughs> but if you know that there are things that affect you, things might, some things might affect you that don't affect me and vice versa, be wise about it. If you think, well, as an example, you, somebody might have a problem with alcohol. Well, I, I'm just not sure when I can stop. Well, don't go into the pub. That's a good, good starter. Don't buy beer at the supermarket. It's about self-control. Guarding your gates. And... Um, last kind of verse that we're going to look at today is from 2 Peter. <clears throat> Chapter 1, from verse 3. This has really challenged me, actually, since we've been here. It says, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these things he has given us very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith. Add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love, for if you possess these qualities, in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's quite a challenge, isn't it? To make, verse 5, make every effort. I'm questioning myself, Lord, am I making every effort to add to my faith? Am I really making every effort to get to know you through this book? Am I making every effort to let you speak to me through this book? Do you know what happens when you do? You change. You change. You might have decisions to make. Let him speak to you through this book. Make every effort. Knowledge. Knowledge of this book really helps to get to know who Christ is, who God is, and what his call for you over your life is. That's what often people would say to me uh, in our previous church was, well, I don't know what the call of God in my life is. Well, and then I'd say, well, how often are you reading your Bible? Mm. Well, I read it on Sundays when I come to church. No, that, 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 doesn't, that doesn't count. Are you letting him speak to you? Actually, the... Um, in, in the process of us moving here, uh, Adam and Rachel came up to see us um, uh, in, in Bury St. Edmunds to talk about the church and stuff. And, and I'd said no, actually, at the beginning. I said, no, I'm, I'm, my heart's here. God's got plans for us here. Next morning, I said, God, look, I'll just give this to you. I really trust Adam and his prophetic gift. He felt God speak to him. And I said, look, I'll hand it to you. And that day I was reading 
working my way through Genesis. Genesis 35 was about Jacob, and God called Jacob back to where he first met God. And this is where I first met God. I became a Christian in this church. Ah, I thought, right, okay. Well, that was a coincidence, wasn't it? Um, and went about my day. But the more, as the day went by, I thought, oh, God, you're speaking. Then more happened, and you know, a prophetic word from a guy who knew nothing about the situation just made it clear to us. But, but I was open. So, church, make every effort for goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, and brotherly kindness. And it says, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you being from ineffective. Who wants to be ineffective? Nobody. We all want to be effective, don't we, in our daily lives. We want to be effective for the kingdom of God. Then make every effort. I can ask you to stand, and we're going to pray. Holy Spirit, will you come and fill us afresh today? Come and meet with us. Lord, we want to be more like you. Thank you that we are saved in a moment. We are redeemed. We are brought near. We are reconciled with the King of Kings, with the Lord of Lords. Thank you that you love us and you accept us as we are, but you love us so much that you won't, let us, you won't leave us there. You want us to be more like you. So I pray, Holy Spirit, come. I pray for my brothers and sisters here today. Come and fill us afresh today. Lord, I pray this week, let the fruit of the Spirit really uh, pour out from us. I pray over us as a church and as individuals, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Lord, we want to be your representatives on the, in this earth, in this town, Lord, and we want to look more like you. So help us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.